Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The ways that the, the Spirit will impact our lives, our ministry, is that we won't be those that lose heart. We won't be those that are quitting. He says again, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So it should impact us in that way. We shouldn't be those that quit easily. We shouldn't be those that lose heart and give up and, you know, start kicking cans. Um, We should be, there should be a tenacity and a perseverance about the believer that's walking in the fullness of the spirit. Do you find that you're easily discouraged when challenging times come? All it takes is a small bump in the road and you come unplugged. In today's message, Pastor Bill will discuss a variety of ways that the ministry of the Holy Spirit should impact your life. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, there will be evidence. It's a shift that takes place from the inside out. Will you walk in the Spirit today instead of the flesh? You can find that you can weather the storm more easily when God is working in you. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You guys that are following along with us in 2 Corinthians, last week we were in chapter 3. And some of what Paul compared and contrasted last week was the ministry of the law which Paul called the ministry of condemnation. He was he was basically saying, you know, the, the, the work of the spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is better than what was available in the Old Testament. They were under the law. They the law, you can't even keep it. So, you know, he was kind of breaking that down, that God is not bringing us into a legal relationship. You guys know that that God doesn't want a, a, a relationship with him that's like based on legalities. I have to. If I don't, he going to get me, you know, but God says it's, it's the work of the spirit that, that God brings about. And we, we ended the chapter. He was saying how that the where the where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom, there's liberty. And we talked about how that that didn't mean liberty to just, you know, have, you know, what I call wacky church, you know, but um, it's the, the spirit of God really frees us. It frees us from the law frees us from the restrictions and all those things, but it also frees us from the bondage of sin. It lets us be free in Christ to be everything he wants us to be. And so chapter four follows right up with that. And pretty what we're going to have basically in, in this chapter, I, I, I wrote out there's 10 ways that the ministry of the spirit should impact us as believers. And as Paul goes through this, he's going to be laying out, uh, he's going to connect it to last week's message. And we're going to look at how the spirit should impact our lives, our ministry, uh, the way that we live. And so look at chapter four, verse one. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And so whenever you see the word, therefore, it's a connector word. It always points back to what God is what was previously said. So therefore, because of what I told you guys last week, if you guys remember in verse eight of last week's message, he said, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious here in verse one? He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we as we have received mercy, he says we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart as as believers. We don't lose heart. We don't we don't we don't we don't fall apart. We don't quit. Something I would challenge you to consider as far as your life, your ministry, your, your walk, particularly your walk with the Lord and the things you do for God. Do you find that you're easily discouraged in the things that you do? Paul says one of the ways that the that the Holy Spirit will impact our ministry and our service is that we won't be those that lose heart. We won't be those that that quit. Now, anybody that does do ministry or do work, it, it could be you get tired. 
doing the work of the ministry. You might do ministry. It's, it could be hard work. You can get tired in the work, but we should never get tired of the work. And over the years, I've, I've been blessed to do ministry in different places, different things. When I see people burn out or get like, man, I'm, I quit, you know, a lot of times it's people that were not ministering in the spirit. It was in the flesh. Um, if you do ministry in hopes that people will recognize what you're doing and some people need that. Some people do ministry. And, and, and if nobody says thank you, if no one says, hey, that was a great job, you know, if no one's patting them on the back and running behind them. You know, they get frustrated. I did all this. I did, I did this. I did that. And nobody even said thank you. If you do it for the Lord, you good. Right. If I do what I do for the Lord, then I know does God miss anything we do? Nothing. He sees everything. So if I do it as unto him that nothing's missed. But if I do it hoping for something from somebody, it's a little tainted and I could begin to lose heart in the way of, you know, comparison. I've, I've often counsel husbands and sometimes wives may do this, too. But I, I know for husbands, sometimes guys will they'll do things for their wives and hope for certain certain rewards and responses afterwards. And if a guy is it's exposed, if, if, if a guy is like, I'm going to be really nice today, I'm going to I'm going to bring her home something. She, I'm, but all of that is in mind. I'm, I'm waiting. I want this particular response. It isn't done just to bless her, just to minister to her. When he doesn't get that particular response, he's like, I did all that I was nice to you yesterday. And he he going to be he going to be hard to live with the next day, you know. It's the same way when it comes to the work of the spirit and the work of God. If, if I'm doing it genuinely and sincerely for the Lord, there won't be I won't need a response from people. I'll know that God is pleased with what I'm doing. Amen. So, again, one of the, way, the ways that the, the spirit will impact our lives, our ministry is that we won't be those that lose heart. We won't be those that are quitting. He says again, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so it should impact us in that way. We shouldn't be those that quit easily. We shouldn't be those that lose heart and give up and, you know, start kicking cans. Uh, we should be there should be a tenacity and a perseverance about the believer that's walking in the fullness of the spirit. So that's number one. Number two, uh, look at verse two. He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Uh, number two, one of the ways that the work of the spirit will impact our lives, how we serve, how we go before the Lord. It says we will, we will renounce evil. Paul says here that we renounce we have renounced the hidden things of shame. They're not walking about in craftiness, sneakiness, handling the word of God deceitfully, because in Paul's day, there were men, there were people that would deceitfully handle the word of God. They were using the word of God not to build people, not to teach people, but to get from people. Paul says we're not doing that. We renounce the hidden things of shame. And so something that you can ask yourself as a believer has God brought you to the place by his spirit where you put down the hidden things of shame? There are some, you know, there's some 007, you know, Christians, people that live in live in complete double lives, um, have things that are hidden over here. They show up at church. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And then they have a whole nother life. And God says, look, one of the things the Holy Spirit will do is it'll cause us to renounce 
those hidden things. There was a time when I was at another church, first church I went to, and my sister, I was really trying to witness to my sister. And I kept trying to invite her to come to church. And anybody's ever done that, you keep begging them, come, come, come. So she finally came one Sunday. No fault of her. She's not saved yet. And in in that church, all the ministers had to sit up in the pulpit, you know, even though they weren't preaching. So they they were up there to sit up there or whatever. So my sister came and she went. And afterwards, you know, she said one of them reverends up there, he was at the club last night because she was at the club last night because she's not saved. And I was like, and, and the guy that she said, I'm like, he probably was. I know him. And I'm like, he dirty. You know, I don't, the, the standard was very low for leadership here. And she says, no. Nah. I said, you sure? She's like, I'm positive. She's like, he was there. She knew what kind of car he drove. She knew what kind of beer he drank. And she's like, he got the same blue alligator shoes on right now. So he wore the same shoes to the club that he wore to, to church the next day. And I was just like, it was such a, I mean, I was, I was upset, you know, that, 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 it ruined my witness to her in a sense, you know, God says that the work, the way the spirit will work in us, we'll renounce the hidden things of shame. And it's not just the stuff that people see. Some, sometimes believers live for other people. Sometimes kids, they'll do as much as mom and dad can see and approve of, you know, um, sometimes husbands and wives, I mean, they're doing it for their wife. They're doing it for their husband. Um, sometimes in a church setting, it's like, oh, this is the expectation of my behavior here. So I'll behave that way for them here. But when the Holy Spirit is doing the work in us, you guys, it's it's from the inside out. It doesn't really regard who can see God between me and you. This has to stop. Between me and you, Lord, I want to I want to I want to I want to over I want to overcome in this area of my life that my life might glorify you. It's not so that they'll say I'm doing good. God is so that my life will be pleasing to you. It's a purity about how the Holy Spirit works out things in our life, that it's not so that we can be proud. It's not so I can look my nose down. God, I just want to be right with you. Anybody here experienced that where, you know, as you come into your walk with the Lord, the Holy Spirit starts. He starts putting a finger on stuff. I used to be cool with living like that. Now I'm saved. And God's like, hey, I want I want that to be put down. That's a shameful thing. Man. I want you to I don't want you to hide it. I want you to eliminate it. I don't want you to you know, I don't want to get you. Some people get good at hiding their sin. So you become a 007 Christian. God doesn't want us to hide it. God wants us to get rid of it. He wants us to completely boot it out of our lives. And so, you know, if you're here and you say, man, I'm I'm actually better at hiding my sin than repenting of it, then then this is for you. You know, let today be a day where you go ahead and dig it up, pick it up and, and repent of it. You know, get rid of some stuff. God, sometimes God just cleans up. But that's that's one of the things the Holy Spirit will do in the hearts and lives of the believers. So number two, we renounce evil. Number three, look at verses three and four. It says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Number three, I wrote down, we are not blind to the work of Satan. Here it says that, you know, the gospel is veiled to certain people. The Jews who have rejected the gospel, now they can't see many of them. And, and let's, you know, their eyes have to be open to it. Then the Bible says that the God of this age blinds people. Who's the God of this age? Satan. How did he become the God of this age? You go way back to Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. God created the world. Everything was right. Everything was good. Everything was beautiful. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, tend it, keep it, manage it, oversee it. When they sin, they forfeit it. 
They forfeited the, the title deed to the earth to Satan. Now he's the, the God of this age. He's the prince and power of the world. God is still sovereign over him. But that's why when you look at the world and how come everything's messed up, everybody want to blame God. If God was so powerful, how come there's so much evil? Because Satan, because sin, because things have been forfeited over. It will be redeemed back to God eventually. But right now, when you look around and see evil and things just seem like it's going on, that work of the enemy. Um, that's how we have to be so careful about being you know, guided and swayed by the, the whims of this world because Satan is the one putting many of these things in motion the way that they're going. So as believers, though, as those that have been illuminated and filled and, and walking in the Holy Spirit, God says you won't be blind to these things. Now, that puts us in a it puts us in a, a really important place. Like the fact that I'm not blind the fact that I can look at things happening and say that's the work of the enemy then it, it should cause me to function different in this world, right? Well, I fight with a person when I realize that my, I don't war with flesh and blood, right? We war with principalities and power. I can't be fighting with you. You might be the vehicle, right? You might be the vessel. You might be the person doing the thing. But God would tell me that, Bill, we don't war against flesh and blood. I can't be in a fight with people. My fight, I fight, you know, we fight on our knees. I can go home and get in, and get in this thing. I can go home and get into my word and let God give me a direction and a counsel from him on how to overcome. But I can't be having fights with people. But I only have that perspective through here. God says we're, we're not we're not blinded to these things. If you write notes two chapters ago, chapter two, verse 11, write that verse down. It says, um, least Satan should take advantage of us, it says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. One thing about Satan is he don't have no new tricks. He's just he's just good at the old stuff. It's still working. So, you know, guys, we're not ignorant. It's not like we don't know. What do we know about Satan? We know that he's a liar. We know he's a tempter. We know he's a deceiver. We know he's the accuser of the brethren. We know he's a murderer. We know he roars around, goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, we know all these things about the enemy. We know he's our adversary. We know he hates us. We know that he's lost. We know that Satan can't get saved. There's no plan of redemption for Satan. He is lost and knows that hell is his destination. Um, and he's wrecking havoc where he can. We're not ignorant, but we need to be, because we're not ignorant, because our eyes are mind, our, our eyes have been opened, it should impact our ministry to the world. When I look at someone that's lost in sin, I can't be mad at them. Sometimes Christians can kind of come off like, you know, you name a particular sin that bothers you a lot. Somebody wrapped up in it, but they're lost. Believers can kind of have an attitude like, oh, you I can't believe you do that. You know, like like almost like I got beef with you because you're doing that. And God's like, no, they're lost. The God of this age is blind. Have mercy. Like you minister to them, pray for them, share with them. But I can't be beefing with them. They're already in the worst condition they can be in. They're, they're halfway to hell right now. If they die today. That's where they go. But I know the truth. Right. I got to have there got to be something in me that says, Man, I, I, I'm compassionate towards that. I don't want anybody. We sh none of us here should want anybody to go to hell. Nobody. Whatever the sin is. And I've had to struggle with this over, over time. There have been there's certain things that just, man, I don't like. But God's like, but, but I want to save everybody. Everybody. We got to approach people in that way. I had an opportunity yesterday. Jehovah's Witness came through. And uh, the guy came and he had a 14-year-old son with him. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's kind of annoying if you do a lot of talking to Joe's witness, you know, you realize that a lot of times that, that, you know, you're talking to someone that really isn't trying to learn. They're not really they got questions that are loaded questions. They're not they're not really receiving what you're saying. They got their they got their little script that they're trying to walk you through or whatever. And as I was there, I was like, man, I, I had to pray like God, help me not to have that mentality. 
let me give me gracious speech, but truthful speech. If for no other reason that this 14 year old boy can hear me talk to his dad. And so let me be respectful enough and kind enough that I can get as much of it said as possible. And it ended up being a, a, a pretty good interaction. We, we post a follow up. He's going to come back next week and, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. But we got to be careful. I look at them. And, and again, sometimes you look at the cults and the groups like that and, and almost our attitude would be like they, that, they're doing it on purpose. And maybe some of them are. But how many of them are just deceived and they become deceived deceivers? I've been deceived. Therefore, I'm taking what I was deceived with and I'm deceiving other people. And we got to come in sometimes with a, a merciful approach. God, thank you for opening my eyes. I need to be thankful. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't get wrapped up in a cult. I could have been a Jehovah's Witness knocking at your door. Um, you know, I, I'm glad. I mean, I'm thankful that that, that I'm, I've been spared that reality. It doesn't make me any better than them, but I'm in a better position than them. And so from that position, I got to be merciful. I got to be reaching out. I got to be helping. And um, one last thing I thought of is over in um, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter three, and then also in Ezekiel chapter 33, God gives this picture. He tells Ezekiel, you're like a watchman. If you know the watchman, he was in a, a tower and his job was whenever he saw the enemy approaching, he had an elevated vantage point. It was his job when the enemy was coming to alert everybody else. God said, now, if you blow the trumpet and alert and they decide not to get up for battle. If they die, their blood is on their hands. But he said, if you're in that position and you see them and you don't blow the trumpet and they get snuck up on, he says, it's going to be on you. And God likened that to us being in the elevated. I, I know that you don't know the Lord. I know that you're in your sin. And but if I don't tell you anything, God said that blood's on your hands. They die in their sin. But if I tell you, if I tell you what's going on and you're like, man, I want to hear that. Get out of here with that. God said, you, you good. Right. No, no guilt. And so some believers, sometimes we, we, we take it personal that people reject us. We just want to share it. I just got to share it with you and leave it with you. It's not my job to follow up. You know, it's not like a sales call where I got to close the deal. I'd like to close the deal. I'd like to see somebody say, yes, I receive it. I want to get saved. But if you don't, it's not like I didn't do a good job. Take, take two people sharing the gospel. This person shares and someone gets saved. This person shares and gets the door shut in their face. For, but before the Lord, they've been they've both been faithful. They've both been faithful. God doesn't see them any different. The response is not on you. It's uh, it's up to them. And so um, but one of the things that, again, the work of the spirit will do in our lives is we won't be we won't be blind to what the enemy is doing. God will open our eyes and, and it should that elevated vantage point should give us perspective. It should impact how we approach and how we reach out and how we minister to those. There should be a great compassion when you're interacting with nonbelievers. I hope we care. I hope when we're hanging out with people that we know, like, man, they're they're going to hell. That's the spiritual reality. I hope we care. I hope that we're hope we're not just comfortable. I hope you can't just sit around non-believers and be like, well, you know, it's all good. We still, you know, with my friends, we hang out like you don't care. You ain't say nothing. You don't witness to them. You don't. I mean, at least try. At least let them tell you no. But but, you know, don't have a list of friends and family that they never heard it from you. And you be kicking it with them and you hang out with them. Don't let that be the case for any of us. Amen. Our eyes have been open. It has to impact how we come at people and what we do. Three. Number four is verses five and six. He says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your bond servants for Jesus sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, number four, one of the, the ways the Holy Spirit will impact us is we won't preach ourselves. 
Now, this is interesting. It's kind of a trend in the life and the ministry of Paul. He said in chapter one, verse nine, that we don't trust in ourselves. He said in chapter three, verse one, we don't commend ourselves. And he says here in chapter four, verse five, we don't preach. Right. And this is when you look at the work of the Holy Spirit, right? The work of the Holy Spirit. When you look at the God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, who's the Holy Spirit always pointing to Jesus. That's what he does. That's his part. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps people to get saved. He points people to Jesus. He illuminates non-believers. That's his work is helping people to see Christ for who he is and what he's done. He points to Jesus. So when you look at a person that's filled with the spirit and they're ministering in the power of the spirit, who should the focus end up on? Jesus. If it's, if it's, if it's really a work of the Holy Spirit. If somebody is doing a supposed work of the Holy Spirit and all the attention is on them, might that be a work of the flesh? Might not be a work of the Holy Spirit. I used to be in a church where people would catch the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and I would I mean, this is the reality. If somebody catch the Holy Spirit, you can't help but look at them. Right. The dude is up here preaching. But like, man, that that, that lady is, is, you know, she's moving and stuff like that. And, and I remember being like, I, I was confused at one point. I was a newer believer and I, I never caught the Holy Spirit. I never I never was compelled to like, you know, just have, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm open. If God were to take me over and, you know, I would be like, I caught him. He caught the Holy Ghost. I don't, you, can you catch the Holy Ghost? And anyway, that's, that's a whole nother thing. But here, here's where I really began to be suspect. The church had pews and there was a, a, a larger lady who, who caught the Holy Spirit. And as she, you know, jousted back into the pew, the pew fell and it crushed. There was an older gentleman and it crushed his legs. And I was like, did the Holy Ghost do that? <laughs> Messed up. You know, like would the Holy Ghost crush this poor little man and break his, mess his legs up? And that was where it was beginning to be clear that I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I, I just think that's just learned behavior. And I believe so. A, a real work of the Holy Spirit will draw attention to Jesus, will point people to the Lord. And so Paul says, look, we don't preach ourselves because it's not about us. It's about him. I want to hook people up with him. I want to I want to elevate and highlight Jesus who can save you, who can comfort you, who can empower you, who can minister, who can do everything that you need is wrapped up in him. That's who I want to point to. And so he says, we don't preach ourselves. He says, but we preach Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your bond servants. Something else the Holy Spirit does. He said, look, we, we, we become your bond servants. We the Holy Spirit moves upon us in such a way when we're gathered as a church, we serve one another. Right. Once again, when a church of spirit filled people come together, there won't be a big shot. There won't be anybody that's a big deal. Jesus will be the big deal. We'll be we'll be serving one another. Our service might be might be that we serve you through our how we use our gifts. Some people in worshiping, some people teaching kids, some people come and clean, some people, a number of different things happen. We'll just serve one another. We're, we're each other's, we're bond servants to one another. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit should do. It shouldn't make, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life doesn't make me better than the rest of the church. Makes this, that, would, that, would, that would be an indication that there's flesh involved. If somehow what I did made me better than you, when the Bible says that we're all the same, something's wrong. I'm not better than you. I'm just like you. Right. You put the cross here and we all come to Jesus the same way. We all bow at the cross. We all need the same thing at the cross. We need forgiveness. We need mercy. We're, we're all blessed the same way as we get up from the cross. We receive forgiveness. Everything we have, we've received it from him. 
And so we all can walk to the cross and walk away from the cross in the same place. We walk up needing. We walk away receiving and thankful. But who's the big deal? The giver, Jesus. I don't get to be a big shot. Jesus gets to be the big shot. And so that's what we want. God, I I want you to work in my life in such a way that it's not about me. I don't preach me. I'm not looking to be elevated. I want my life to be used in such a way that the things I do cause you to be elevated. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.